Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information, or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks and pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of sheer silence. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Good morning. Last Monday was the fourth anniversary of the shooting at Mother Emanuel Amy Church in Charleston, South Carolina, in which nine people were killed after they had welcomed a young stranger to join them for Bible study. A new documentary entitled Emanuel tells the stories of those who were killed. Among them was 59-year-old Myra Thompson, who was studying to become a minister. Her husband, Reverend Anthony Thompson, was interviewed on NPR Monday morning. When asked to recall the events of that day, he said that he had gone first to the church, but was then told that everyone had been taken to the hotel that's adjacent to the church. It was there that he learned his wife was among the victims. He fell on the pavement, crying like a baby, repeatedly saying, I don't know what to do. After a while, he heard a voice say, get up. He looked around, but no one was speaking to him. Then he heard the voice again saying, get up. He said, I'm like, you've got to be kidding. This is God. Why are you talking to me like that? You know, it wasn't like, be of good cheer, fear not. This is the Lord. It was just, get up. And then God told him to preach on a verse from Luke 17 the next Sunday. And if the same person sins against you seven times a day, and turns back to you seven times, and says, I repent, you must forgive. At Dylan Roof's bond hearing, the victim's family members were invited by the judge to speak to the young man. The family members, though, didn't speak of their anger or of their sadness. Rather, they all spoke of forgiveness. Reverend Thompson said to him, I forgive you. My family forgives you. We would like for you to take this opportunity to repent. But once he had spoken that word of forgiveness, he said he was free. Even though Ruth did not repent or apologize, Thompson said, I was as light as a feather. I felt a peace. Everything had gone. I realized that God had freed me from the pain and the anger and the sadness. God just came and took over. Thompson concluded the interview by saying, forgiveness is not for the perpetrator or the offender. 
Forgiveness is for the victim. He said that by forgiving Ruth, he didn't let him off the hook. Dylan Roof is imprisoned, but Reverend, Reverend Thompson is free. The question posed by Reverend Thompson's story and by that of Elijah in this morning's Old Testament reading is how does God speak to us and what are we meant to hear? Reverend Thompson heard God tell him to get up and on Sunday to preach about forgiving as many times as necessary. How did Elijah hear God speaking to him and what was that message? Elijah was a prophet in the northern kingdom of Israel in the 9th century BCE. Israel was ruled by, and Ahab was the king, Israel was ruled by a series of corrupt kings, each one worse than his predecessor. Ahab married Jezebel, a priestess of Baal worship and the daughter of a Sidonian king. Jezebel brought to Israel with her an entourage of 450 prophets of Baal, while at the same time killing off the prophets of Israel, of Yahweh. Not only did Ahab marry Jezebel, but he also joined her in worshiping Baal. The Bible says Ahab did more to provoke the anger of the Lord than all the kings of Israel who went before it was this corruption that Elijah was called by God to address. Now, prophets, by virtue of their vocation, were in the business of passing messages on from God. So Elijah's first message to Ahab had to do with drought. He said, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. The significance of the drought is that it was a direct challenge to Baal, who was thought to be the god of rain, of thunder, of lightning, and of dew. Yahweh was setting himself against Baal to prove who actually was in control of the climate. In the third year of the drought, God told Elijah to present himself to Ahab and to tell him that he would end the drought but only after there was a contest between Elijah and the 450 prophets of Baal. Elijah gathered the Israelites and asked, how long will you go limping with two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal, then follow him. But how to determine which one was God? So Elijah told the people to take two bulls, to build two altars, one for Baal and one for Elijah. They were told, however, not to set fire to the altar or to the bulls, but rather to call on the names of their gods to see which one would answer by fire. So the 450 prophets of Baal went first, without any success after calling on Baal through the course of an entire day. When it was Elijah's turn to call on the Lord his God, first he drenched the wood with 12 jars of water. He built a trench around it to collect even more of that water. And then he prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. Then fire fell on the drenched altar and consumed the burnt offering. Elijah then killed all 450 of Baal.
Baal's prophets. This is what Jezebel was referring to in this morning's reading. She had heard about the death of her prophets, and so she sent a messenger to Elijah with a warning, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Elijah had survived three years of drought. He'd bested the prophets of Baal, but he feared dying at the hand of Jezebel. He went into the wilderness, he sat under a tree, and he asked for the Lord to take his life. Better have God take his life than Jezebel. He fell asleep, and then he heard just what Reverend Thompson had heard. Get up. There was beside him um, cake and water. So he woke up, ate the cake, drank the water, and then once again fell asleep. And then once more, he was awakened with those words, get up, get up and eat. You've got a long trip ahead of you. So for the next 40 days and nights, he traveled to Mount Horeb, that same mountain on which Moses had received the Ten Commandments. And it was there at Mount Horeb that Elijah spent the night in a cave and was then questioned by the Lord. What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said that he had been very zealous for the Lord, that all the Israelites had forsaken God's covenant, and that he alone was left. He was the only faithful one in all of Israel who remained behind. Elijah was then told to go stand on the mountain because the Lord was about to pass by. First, there was a strong wind, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. Then there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Then there was fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Finally, there was the sound of sheer silence, or as the King James Version said, a still, small voice. It was in this sheer silence, this still small voice, that Elijah heard God tell him to go back to anoint Jehu as king in place of Ahab. Elijah also learned that he, in fact, was not the only one alone who was left. Obadiah, who was in charge of the palace, had actually hidden a hundred other prophets and saved their lives. And there were 7,000 Israelites who had not bowed their knees to Baal. A couple of weeks ago, we celebrated the Feast of Pentecost, that day when there was the sound of rushing wind and tongues of fire. Sometimes God is known and heard in wind and fire. The Lord made himself known in the fire that consumed the burnt offering the day of that contest between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. But on this day on Mount Horeb, it was a still small voice Elijah heard. On the day that Reverend Thompson sobbed inconsolably on the pavement outside Mother Emanuel Church, it was a still small voice that told him to get up. But what about us? How does God speak to us? Sometimes God speaks to us in the midst of a catastrophic event in our lives or the lives of others. Perhaps quite literally, in the midst of or the aftermath of a tornado or an earthquake or a wildfire. Other times the wind, earthquake, and fire are metaphorical for what we're going through. 
But more often, God speak to us, speaks to us in that sheer silence with that still, small voice. What is our takeaway from Elijah and Reverend Thompson? For me, what I hear God saying is, you are not alone. You are not the only one. And that God will be with me and with us. We have only to be faithful. For Elijah, that faithfulness meant, don't despair, go back, be the prophet you are. For Reverend Thompson, that faithfulness meant doing what each one of us is called to do. Forgive, forgive, forgive again. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. John often concludes his sermons with an assignment for the week. So my assignment for each of us is to ask, who might we need to forgive? Remembering what Reverend Thompson learned, forgiveness is not for the perpetrator or the offender. Forgiveness is, for us, the victims of the wrong. And what I learned from Reverend Thompson is that even though Jesus said to forgive those who seek repentance, we need to forgive also those who are completely unrepentant. We can trust that we are not alone, that God is with us, no matter how daunting our circumstances might seem to be. Amen.